I'm Tavis Smiley. Delighted to have you on with us today, uh, hanging out with us today in this hour. What an amazing uh, first hour that was uh, just uh, rarefied air to be talking to not one, two, three, but four members of Congress the day after Kevin McCarthy is ousted as a speaker. We thank once again Adam Schiff and Sheila Jackson-Lee, Benny Thompson, Maxine Waters. If you missed any part of the first hour today, just go to our um, uh, TavisMileyShow.com site. Uh, that's the TavisMileyShow.com. And check out the podcast of that conversation. It's uh, one worth hearing <clears throat> if you missed it, featuring all four heavyweight members uh, of Congress in uh, that first hour. In this hour, two conversations on the B side of this hour. Uh, we'll talk with lawyer and activist uh, Kat Calvin about her latest book, American Identity in Crisis, Notes from an Accidental Activist. Look forward to that dialogue on the B side of this hour. She'll join us live here in studio in Los Angeles. Uh, but I'm delighted now, honored, humbled, in fact, to be in conversation with American fashion designer extraordinaire Tracy Reese. Reese has outfitted everybody from First Lady Michelle Obama to Sarah Jessica Parker, from Oprah to Tracy Ellis Ross, and many, many more notable. Uh, she joins us uh, now to talk about the resurgence of Detroit, uh, Motown, the Big D, where she relocated her business after leaving New York City. Uh, I hope we'll also talk about her design philosophy rooted in a commitment to showcasing the beauty in women of all shapes, sizes, and colors. What a great delight. What an honor to have Tracy Reese on this program. Tracy, how are you today? I'm great. The delight and honor is all mine. Oh, no, no. I'm on with Tavis Smiley. No, 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 no. The delight and honor is all mine. I'm on with Tracy Reese. It's Tracy and Tavis, and I'm, I'm, and I'm happy about it. Let me just start, if I can, at the risk of embarrassing you. <clears throat> Let me just start by saying um, how, um, how I adore you, uh, how I celebrate you. It is such a beautiful thing to see a sister do what you're doing, to do it in the way that you are doing it, to see uh, other black women and other women, period, who happen not to be black, just embracing your fashion styles. Um, it's just it's just it's, it's an amazing thing. As we say around here, we're rooting for everybody black. And I just am so thrilled at the success that you are having. And I just want to start by saying congratulations to you. Um, thank you for that. And, you know, it takes a village and it takes a strong family and. So many amazing friends and collaborators, you know, to to make this happen. Yeah. What happens when people like Michelle Obama and Oprah uh, put on your clothes? Like what what happens inside the company when people see them donning your fashions? Oh, it's huge. And I think, you know, it's a huge boost for morale. It gives, you know, credence to everything we're working hard to do and achieve every day. Um, and, you know, it's it's you you know you feel like you sort of made it but to be honest you know we feel equally proud when we see women whose names we don't know you know wearing our clothes people who you know parted with our hard-earned dollars to to buy our clothes and we're just honored to dress everyone yeah how did fashion become your muse how did fashion become your thing tracy reese yeah i give a lot of credit for that to my mom and to my grandmother my mom uh, was a native Detroiter, and she was super curvy, so she always sewed clothes for herself. Mm -hmm. And uh, she sewed clothes for me and my sisters. I have two sisters, Leslie and Aaron, one younger, one older. And she took great pride in that, you know. And she would take me fabric shopping and shopping for patterns and notions and just putting things together. It was always so exciting, the whole creative process. And she taught me to sew. So I started sewing when I was eight years old. Mm. 
And, you know, I always loved to sketch and to draw. And she would have me sketch out things that she was planning to make for herself and things that I was planning to make for me. And one thing sort of led to another, you know, and I discovered fashion. Mm. Tell me about your design philosophy. Uh, I I referenced it earlier. Uh, To my mind, at least, it's rooted in this commitment you have to showcasing beauty uh, in women of all shapes, sizes, and colors. Not every fashion designer has that as an edict. It is yours, but why is it yours? How did it become yours? Part of it is being a woman and not being what, you know, some people think is a traditional shape. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think women designers approach clothing design a bit differently than perhaps men who are designing for women because we are the customer, you know, so you know what it's like to wear the clothes. You know why you need the clothes and what service they perform in your life. And you know, for me, it's like I, I want to design clothes that women look and feel good in. I want them to get compliments. So it's not just a trend or an experiment or even an artistic mission. Because a lot of designers who are very forward thinking, you know, they, they're they not as focused on the customer as they are on creating something new and different that perhaps you haven't seen before, which is exciting and it's inspiring, but sometimes it's not really wearable. And I want people to wear our clothes, you know, for every occasion in their lives. We are in dialogue with American fashion designer Tracy Reese. What a delight, what an honor to have this opportunity. We'll continue when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Seeking the truth. truth. Speaking the truth. truth. This This is the Tavis Smiley Smiley Show. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now. Let's get back to more of Tracy Reese right now on Tavis Smiley. Tracy, you mentioned, um, uh, I love your phrase, super curvy. How hard do uh, black women, women of color, uh, writ large for that matter, uh, have to have to work? How hard do they have to look to find stuff for them when they are super curvy, as you put it? That's a challenge. And most women aren't the same size at the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, that's given. We're not, you know, cookie cutter little robots we're like real people and we have our history and our family genes and all of that so each one of us is unique and we should celebrate that instead of worrying about you know trying to fit a mold yeah speaking of molds uh, you do not fit a mold um you uh in you use uh every time i see your stuff there are always these daring colors and these sort of unique prints and i want to talk about that how did that become your thing um so much color uh and the unique way you uh you uh you offer us these prints to to view you know i think it's <laughs> it's interesting i've always loved strong beautiful color and i remember my mom saying to me you know when i was young she was like if you're you know feeling a little sad wear red um, cause it'll lift your spirit, you know, and when people see you wearing beautiful colors, they're drawn to you, you know, and colors flatter people. And I won't lie, I wear a fair amount of black as, you know, a lot of designers do, but mm-hmm. I love color and I love how color complements, um, different skin types. And then with the prints and patterns, this is a, an opportunity to express ourselves in a way that is 100% uniquely ours. And we, We create a lot of prints right here in our office in Detroit um, based on inspiration and whatever ideas we have for the season. 
And that's a lot of fun to do. And it's, you know, a place where we can, you know, stamp our, our, our style, you know, mm-hmm. on, on a piece of fabric and make it uniquely ours. I've been honored to talk to a few designers in my career, and it occurs to me that I don't think I've ever asked this question, and your comment about it a moment ago <laughs> leads me to ask, wh- why do so many designers wear so much black? <laughs> you know what? It, black is such a universal color, <laughs> you know? It's, it's slenderizing. It always looks professional. Um, you can mix and match different black pieces together and create outfits and looks. Um, so it's a great foundation color for any wardrobe, um, but it can't be the only color. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, would, would I would I be offending you or would I be wrong or something else if I said that when I see your fashions um, worn by modern women, uh, the clothing always looks feminine to me, which is a be- which is a beautiful thing. I mean, I, I celebrate it, but it seems to me that you 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 make feminine clothing for women, and certainly in the moment that we live now, that's not the case for every designer. Right, and it's just something that I love to do. I love dressmaker details. I love more feminine silhouettes and flourishes, and it's definitely I, I consider it a compliment. That's mm-hmm. that's sort of my lane, and um, I like. Also, though, where masculine meets feminine, the two things together are always really interesting and complementary. So, you know, hopefully I'm providing, you know, the, the, the yin for someone else's yang or, you know, they might find it all in our collection. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Detroit. I mentioned Detroit. I want to talk about Detroit uh, because I thought, yeah. again, was a, it's a beautiful thing when you when you made this move uh, to Detroit. Uh, Detroit is having a bit of a resurgence, and that's that's a beautiful thing. Uh, but you boldly, uh, you know, move your business there, and you're you're doing your thing. Tell me about why you chose to make that decision. I want to talk about how things are going in that regard. Lots of reasons. You know, when I started this brand, Hope for Flowers, in 2019, before the pandemic, and I really wanted to focus on working as responsibly as possible because fashion's footprint on the planet is massive and it's dirty and there's a lot of abuses and we need to be more intelligent and more intentional in how we're designing and how we are marketing our products to the public. And as part of starting this business, I knew I wanted to also have a social mission. So, you know, Hope for Flowers isn't just a clothing brand. We are part of an ecosystem here in Detroit and we we have educational programming for young people here in the city who go to Detroit public schools. So we do art enrichment. And, you know, I chose Detroit because it's my hometown, but also because I knew I could make a difference here. Um, so, and I had a great childhood growing up here. You know, tons of art classes in public school and music classes and all the things that really help to round out, you know, your character and help you you know, understand who you are as a person and what you can, what you can bring to, you know, to your life and to your world. And children are missing that terribly here now because since the bankruptcy, it's, you know, it's been a a long, hard road to get the arts restored in public schools. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it breaks my heart that kids don't have the same opportunities that I had growing up here. So I wanted to be a part of offering opportunities. So we we teach art enrichment to 7 to 12 year olds here on Saturdays and we spotlight um, little known 
Sometimes artists of color, we talk about their techniques and teach those techniques to the children, but we also talk about sustainability and we focus on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals as a foundation to that teaching because I think it's extremely important that we all have access to this information, that we all have agency to, you know, control some parts of our lives and to step off of this, you know, wasteful cycle of living that we're in. Mm -hmm. You know, we we waste clothing. Americans throw away 70% of their clothing. How 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 frightening is that? Mm. You know, everything that's marketed to us almost is throw away. You know, use a little bit, throw it away, and buy some more mm-hmm. because you know that's just the consciousness of of our society. But I want to talk about having things that you love and taking care of them. You know, we used to save money. We used to put things in the layaway and save up for things that we really wanted that had value. And our families held on to the things that were good, and we we had we wore hand-me-downs, and we had clothes from family friends that we wore and passed on to our cousins, and they came back to the younger sister. You know, mm. there was this whole circle of a community of sharing and taking care of things that were good. We took care of our shoes. A lot of people don't even know how to take care of their shoes mm. anymore, you know, and you think you have to, like, ditch everything and get some more. So we want to talk about taking care of what we have, and we want to also talk about respect for all of the creative people and skilled craft people that are creating these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with so much production being offshore, it's all out of sight, out of mind. So if you're buying, you know, a $39.99 dress at a big box store or at a fast fashion retailer, you're not thinking about the person at the end of that supply chain who probably made 50 cents for Mm. sewing that dress. Mm. And 80% of the people who sew clothing are women. And 80% of those women are women of color. So we cannot be a part of a system that keeps our sisters in slavery. When we think, I, I want to just say, wow, first of all, when we think of fashion, we, we never think of all the stuff you just laid out. There's a whole consciousness, of course, to what you do. What, where did that come from? You, I mean, you laid it out beautifully. And again, you've given us all things to think about when we think about that next dress or that next suit or whatever it is that we're buying uh, and, and, and adding to our closets. Um, but what, where, did, where did this level of consciousness for you come from? I had some courses, actually. I took a crash course in sustainable design as part of a Council of Fashion Designers of America um, uh, workshop series that I did for nine months, and I learned about textiles from a sustainable perspective. I learned about, you know, fair labor and more about human rights, and I'm a part of organizations that support. Um, I, I sit on the board of NEST, which supports handcrafters all around the world and people who produce beautiful items, but they need our support. They need our advocacy. I just joined the board of Remake Our World, Mm -hmm. which fights for fair labor rights for garment workers all over the world. So, you know, these are things that are important to me. And then it's, you know, the more you learn, you know, the more you know that you have to approach your work in a much more thoughtful and intentional and, careful way Mm -hmm. and we need to share this message with our communities so that we can all um, be very aware of what our choices mean Um, and being able to spread that message here in Detroit was extremely important to me because I feel like 
sustainability can be thought of as an elitist concept. But we're here in the city, and it's all of our responsibility to work to save this planet. Mm. I'm asking this question uh, broadly, uh, generically, uh, unapologetically. So uh, just know that. Um, When I ask for your critique, um, your assessment of black folk in fashion in this contemporary moment, fashion design, you think what? Oh, wow. There's an explosion of, of creativity and, and newness and new names and, and opportunity. It's, it's been really a great few years, actually, best ever in my lifetime for black talent to be recognized and to have opportunities to show, you know, their craft and what they can do. Mm. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. I, I didn't know that that answer would be forthcoming, uh, but it's always good to to hear from someone um, as established as yourself that we're at least moving in the right direction in this particular arena, in this particular field. Um, let me ask you uh, about Detroit. We've, we've talked about it, but I want to get more uh, directly into it. Tell me what you are seeing in Detroit. I'm talking now about the renaissance, the resurgence of, of Motown. What, what What are you seeing around you? Well, you know, I was just downtown for dinner last night. Downtown was a ghost town Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. I mean, there was like tumbleweed rolling down the streets and, (laughs) you know, just shuttered doors and, you know, just pitiful, pitiful. But, you know, another reason that I decided to come home is, you know, there was just sort of an island of whiteness um, that downtown had become. I'd walk into a restaurant and I'd be the only black person there. And I'm thinking, I'm in an 80% black city, yet people are turning around to see who this is coming in because mm. there are no other black people in this restaurant. You know, so there's a lot of bright, shiny new things happening, but I, I'm desperate to make sure that Detroiters, this 80% black population that we're sharing in in these new ideas and these new initiatives and this rebirth because it's, it's, it's still somewhat a segregated city. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had dinner at the athletic club and I thought it was, it was 1960, you know, all black servers and all white um, um, customers. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, I thought I'd step way back in time. You know, so it's also about bridging some of those gaps because then I would talk to my family and they're like, oh, we didn't know that restaurant opened. It's like, okay, we all have to play play a role in this. You know, we, you know, it can't just be, you know, the new imported people who are, you know, have bright new ideas and they have found ways to get those ideas funded um, that are, are enjoying, you know, the spoils of the new Detroit. We all have to come together and, and, you know, bring the city back yep. um, as a community. Yep. Uh, finally here, is, is, there any, is there any qualitative difference um, between uh, doing what you do in Detroit versus doing it as you did for a couple of decades in New York City? I feel like I can just make a bigger difference here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm training Detroiters how to do this work. Um, they're working alongside me and learning all facets of the business from production to design to marketing, you know, um, I just feel like there's more opportunity for me to really make a difference. And then, you know, Detroit in New York, you're, you're a little fish in a very, very, very big pond. Mm -hmm. And in Detroit, you know, they're open arms and open ears and, 
you know, just tons of opportunity and lots of people to collaborate with who deserve to be seen. Yeah. Are you seeing, are you finding that there are young people in Detroit who are turned on uh, by the potential of being in the fashion design industry? Oh, definitely. You know, there's, you know, we have a black HBC here that we actually visited yesterday, Pencil University. Um, and, you know, they have an incredible footwear design uh, program. And, you know, they attract students from all over the country to design footwear. And that's right here in the city. And there's, you know, the College for Creative Studies that has an incredible fashion program as well. Um, and, you know, so this is, this is, you know, New York doesn't have to be the center of the universe for all things. <laughs> New York is, is fabulous and I love it. Yeah, t- tell that, hey, Tracy, t- Tracy, and, t- and tell work. that, tell that to a New Yorker, Tracy. Right, exactly. Well, I'm not putting New York down at all, but it's a new day yeah. and, you know, we can, we can do what we do from many different spots on the planet so i've chosen detroit and you uh you've chosen well and uh what a what a what a great joy uh a joy sublime in fact it has been to have been in conversation with you but uh even more joyful to know that you were in detroit and helping it to uh, experience the resurgence that it is experiencing and not just for our white brothers and sisters but for folk who look just like you and me tracy reese uh, again what an honor to have uh, had a chance to speak with you uh, all the best to you in the coming months and years and i hope to do it again somewhere down the road i would love that to have a smiley thank you for for selecting me for this half hour of conversation and i'm super proud to have been able to be on your show and i thank tracy reese for selecting to have a smiley <laughs>